Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption. I'm Marty Caldwell. I'm looking forward to spending time with you today. Each week our show brings to you adoption professionals, authors, adoptive parents, and people who have been touched by adoption. If you'd like to purchase CDs of our show, please email us at info at letstalkadoption.com or just visit our site at letstalkadoption.com. We have archived programs available on our site as well. We have some that you can listen to, others you can purchase, and maybe give us a gift. Today we have a on our show a very special and talented young woman who has taken her special and personal challenge uh, and an unplanned pregnancy and turned it into her life's mission field. Chloe uh, Strickland is a co-founder of Birth Mom Buds. Uh, it's an internet-based nonprofit ministry for birth mothers. Over the past several years, since she placed her birth son Charlie for adoption, Chloe has uh, mentored and advocated for countless birth mothers in the adoption community. She is with us today to share her insight on what birth mothers really need in order to move forward um, with a healthy, successful life after adoption placement. She'll also share her tips and pointers for adoptive parents from birth mothers' perspective. Um, Chloe has um, taken her experience and channeled them into several very creative tools for adoptive um, families and birth mothers and even medical professionals. Um, I think you'll find today's show has some wonderful information for anybody touched by adoption. Uh, Chloe, are you there? Yes, I am. Uh, thank you, and welcome to the show. Thank you. First, let's start by sharing with our listeners a little bit about your story and how you became a birth mother. I know this is real personal, but you've been willing to share that. That'll help a lot with a lot of our listeners on how you got started. Sure. Well, about um, over three, a little over three years ago, I found myself in an unplanned pregnancy. I was on the Depo-Provera shot, which is, if some people don't know, it's the birth control shot. And I didn't know I was pregnant until I was five months pregnant. And abortion is not something I believe in, and I was actually too far along at that point anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am the parent of a – he's now eight, but at the time he was almost four. No, almost five, I'm sorry. Um, and he has cerebral palsy and epilepsy. So my hands were pretty full with him, and adding a baby into the mix would have just been not good. So I started looking into adoption, and um, when I started – When I first said the words out loud, I really hadn't done a lot of research or looking into it. And it was kind of odd because I hadn't told anyone at where I worked. I worked at a restaurant. I hadn't told anyone at work that I was pregnant yet. And um, I had this happily married couple that was um, one of my regular customers. They came in at lunch a lot. And for some reason, I told them that day that I was pregnant, and I showed them the ultrasound. And they congratulated me, and I explained that it wasn't the best you know, happy circumstances and that I was thinking of adoption. And I've waited on those people so many times. And they had a daughter, and they told me that their daughter was adopted. And I had no idea because I always, she kind of resembled the mother, so I just assumed she was biological. And they told me that she was adopted and that um, they were looking to adopt again. And they gave me their phone numbers and said no pressure. If I just wanted to call and ask them questions, I could. If I wanted to get in touch with their attorney, I could, you know, and they just left it real open. So the next day I called them, and it's all worked out. Charlie that, was born. That's an amazing story how just by, you know, it's like God led you to that family. Oh, he definitely did. Uh, isn't that amazing how that just happened to fall into place and it worked out? And you have an open adoption, so you went through, and your birth son adopted family um, has stayed in contact with you. How has that worked out? Oh, it's been it's been really great. We have um, we see each other on the holidays, like at Christmas and his birthday. And I got married two years ago, and his adoptive mom 
and his um, sister were in my wedding, mm-hmm. and so it's been it's been really good. I um I see them maybe three or four times a year. I talk to them on the phone a lot more than I actually see them, but it's mm-hmm. been really good. And tell me how does um how do they introduce you to him or how as as a birth mother as your birth mother? Um, he knows that he grew in my tummy and uh-huh. then he has two mothers and he's right he's um he'll be four in September and he calls me his burp mom because he can't <laughs> say birth mom yet so so he knows I'm his birth mom he just says it cute so. isn't that cute bless his heart and so um how has this been then as far as uh, what's the contact they have with their 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 birth uh, the other family that they've adopted their daughter from do they have open adoption also with well her? they have an open adoption but she's not um quite as she doesn't contact them quite as often as I do mm-hmm. um she has several other children and she I I'm assuming she's pretty busy. And so she doesn't contact them quite as often as I do. And sometimes that's a little hard for their daughter. So I kind of, like, any time I send Charlie something, I send her something. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of, you know, take her under my wing, and I try and send her something every time I send him a gift. And that's so important to you. And my daughter and uh, my son, their their biological families, um, they try to do the same thing. So I think it's really important to keep that in mind, too, mm-hmm. because you don't want to have the other children be left out. Right. Let's go over to this wonderful organization that you have um, started uh, called Birth Mom Buds. Um, I, share with us a little bit about the purpose of it and who you reached during your, your website. Okay. Your Birth Mom Buds is a website and not-for-profit organization, mm-hmm. and we minister to birth moms and women who are pregnant and considering adoption. Mm-hmm. Now, what, did, what inspired you to start this program? Well, um, I had been having a really hard time, and um, I met a friend. Um, we had been, um, I had been searching for somebody that understood what I was going through, and that was another birth mother, and I couldn't find, I had a hard time finding someone, so I was online late one night typing in adoption-related words, and I found a post, and it, it was a, is anyone out there post? that um, a girl named Lonnie had left, and she was a birth mother, and she had placed her child four days before mine, which ironically was my birthday, and she only lived one state over in the same town as my grandmother. And so we began um, corresponding through emails, and then emails turned into phone calls, and phone calls turned into seeing each other. And um, so we became friends, and we really helped each other out so much there in the beginning, and we decided that we didn't want any other birth mothers to have to search for another birth mother. So we created Birth Mom Buds so that there would be a central place that people could go to find other birth mothers. That's so great. And do you find women of all ages uh, coming to your site for support? Oh, yes. We have women that are 13, 14, and then we have women that are 64, 65. Yes. So even if they placed years ago, it's helping too. Tell us a little bit about you have a program called Pregnant and Placing Program. What is that all about? Our Pregnant and Placing Program is um, one of my personal favorite programs. It's very dear to my heart. It's for the pregnant women who are considering adoption. And we have a mentoring program where we mentor, we pair up the uh, the ladies that are pregnant, and we pair them with a mentor who has already placed and is at peace with her decision. And they just kind of go through the pregnancy with them. We tr- try really hard to pair them up with someone in their own state. Um, and then they just kind of go through the pregnancy with them. And the women that are in the pregnant and placing program don't always choose adoption, and we're supportive of that. We're just there to kind of give them um, 
you know, a, 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 and the experience of someone who's been there and kind of tell them how it is and um, and then they kind of make their own decision and we support on whatever decision they make. Yeah, that's so great. We have, I know through the Lifetime Program, Lifetime Adoption Program, we have a um, Lifetime Angel Program, and it's very similar to that, where we have birth mothers that will speak to other birth mothers, and sometimes adoptive parents that will be there to take um, families, to um, birth moms to the doctor's appointments. They can't be interested in adopting their child, but just be there as an angel um, for birth mothers, and I know how important that is, and that's been something that um, no matter how much you care about adoption, if you've not walked in the shoes of a birth mother, it's really difficult to um, to talk to them and share with a, with a woman on, on what it's like. And um, you can be there and be a great ear and, you know, help them with transportation and food and things like that, but until you've actually walked in their shoes. Don't you find that true, too? Oh, yes. It's very true. Yes. And I, I think it's really important that there are other programs out there to help, too. So, you know, how has mentoring uh, other birth mothers affected your healing from your personal adoption experience? And, and when I say healing, um, you know, I'm not saying that you were – injured, but it's, it, it is traumatic any time okay. you go through a pregnancy or an adoption or parenting. Share how that has, has helped you. Uh, it's been very rewarding to be able to work with other birth mothers. Um, they have added so much to our lives. They, I mean, it's just not like a kind of, you know, business type thing for me. It's a personal thing. And um, I've mentored several of the pregnant girls, and I have actually been with one when she had her child, and that was amazing. I was actually in the delivery room when the child was born. It was amazing. And she actually, that same girl came to our home for Christmas this year. Wow. And so it's been it's been really um, neat being able to be so involved and get to know them so well. And it does have a flip side at times. It's a little stressful. And I think that I, they all seem, I know they, that a lot of our birth mom buds look up to Lonnie and I, and they don't really I think sometimes they forget that we're people and we hurt too so sometimes it can be hard but for the most part it's been amazing and very rewarding and I love all the girls that we work with and that's super too now do you have another full-time job on the side um, no okay this is what you do full-time then I do this full-time and a few other adoption things full-time right that's that's super I mean you have a lot of things going on, on your site and we're going to give your website again really soon and I know that um, for the second part of the show we're going to talk about things that adoptive parents can actually do to help um, you know the process and help birth mothers because I think more and more people um, in the past have forgotten about birth mothers and they've only focused on the child which is very important but you've got a woman that has um, is giving this wonderful gift to her child and to the adoptive parents, and that without, I know as an adoptive mother, without these wonderful birth mothers, we'd never be mommies and daddies. And right. I think it's really important that we honor our birth mothers. And I know that, um, you know, I thank my birth mother for my uh, child, my son, uh, every day, you know, and I thank God for her, and uh, she's on my mind because I there's no way I could not think of her. And I think it's really important that um, people... Um, respect that and learn as much as they can prior to adopting about the needs and the the emotions going through with a birth mom so they can have some empathy um, for that um, and actually be able to help the process instead of hinder it. Right. Um, I think that's important too. Now you have, um, I'm going to share with a couple of the programs because I think they're important and I think um, uh, that you have a Healing Hearts program and, and what is that? The Healing Hearts program is is a division of the Pregnant and Placing program, and it's a, a care package program that we send a care package to the girls who go through the Pregnant and Placing program and end up placing their child. We send a care package between um, two to three weeks after relinquishment. And we, it has like um, it has an inspirational book with the Salvation Plan in it, 
It has a journal, um, a picture frame, some bath stuff, just sort of pampering type things. And we also send a booklet that Lonnie and I created that has some poems and some articles that we felt were helpful for new birth moms. And the purpose of sending that is just because um, to kind of help them know that they're not alone and to kind of, when you have a baby, it's such a big thing. And if you have a baby and take it home, you get gifts and hospital gives you things and people give you things. And not that it's all about getting something, but it just helps to know that you're appreciated, that even though, though you didn't bring your baby home and parent them, you're still appreciated for what you did. And you're thought of and you're not forgotten. I think that's the biggest right. thing, too. And is there a significance between the um, two to three weeks um, when you send this? Well, we chose two to three weeks because personally for Lonnie and I, that was the roughest time for us. And we've heard a lot of other birth moms say that. The first week or so, you're kind of in shock and you're kind of like, wow, did this really just happen? And then the second second to third week, things kind of start to sink in. People quit calling so much to check on you. Um, that's around the time I started preparing to go back to work. And so it really all hit in. And so for both Lonnie and I, that was the um, the hardest point after and so that's why we chose that the two three, three weeks to send the basket give some stories share some stories if you don't mind about you know without names of course um on some of the women that you have been able to help and and some of their personal stories because i think we learn by stories um you know um whether you're a birth mother's listening prospective birth mother or a woman that's placed 20 years ago or even adoptive parents or adoptive professionals what are some some stories you have heard about um from birth mothers that might help us um, well, one story that touches my heart is a birth mother who um, placed her child, and she was actually raped, and she knew that giving this baby life would be the best thing, but she also knew that um, she should, she would want certain things, and so she sat down and wrote down, you know, what she would want and discussed that with the family she had chosen, and they agreed because it, she really wasn't asking for a whole lot. And she is just one of the sweetest people you've ever met. She's so giving and so loving. And she really has done this for her for her daughter because it was the best thing for her to do. And one of the things that she asked for was pictures after the child was one. She wanted pictures every other month. And this is, um, I would just, I encourage adoptive parents to please try and keep their promises, keep their word. And I know that life gets hectic and they can't, always do everything that they said they were going to do, but just try because this, this family um, had said they would send her the pictures every other month, and recently they sent her a letter saying that that was too much of a burden for them to bear, and they were only going to be able to send them, um, I think it's every four months now, and that was just really traumatic for her and really hard, and it really hurt her because she had given them a child, and she just really wanted them to follow through with their promises. And so I just really hope that your listeners can just keep that in mind to follow through with what they agreed to do. I really think that we're held accountable for that, and I think what happens is um, when we don't do that, it comes back, and later on, years later, if a birth mom should search or the family, that grief that um, that was caused many times can come back and really bite the family on the bottom, you know. Mm-hmm. And I really feel that we're honored when we honor our our commitments and it means a lot and I think that people need to be honest at the very beginning I remember many years ago I had a family um, that uh, had said I'll say whatever I need to say to a birth mom um, just to get her match and I said you know what we can't work with you 
um, because I was never going to put a birth mother through that situation. And I think that that's really crucial at the beginning because a birth mother is really trusting this family to raise her child Mm -hmm. and um, that it's the only honorable thing. Plus, I think it's important you stay in contact for medical reasons. If you want to be selfish, is that um, many times birth mothers will find out medical information on their side of the family um, five, ten years later that could be crucial to the care of your child. Mm-hmm. And um, and we we always bring the story up about um, you know how we had a, um, a family that contacted us and needed a, a bone marrow for their child. Birth mother had not stayed in contact. They had not stayed in contact. They were frantic, and I know their birth mother would have dropped everything and, and taken care of that need immediately and wanted that. Um, so I think it's important that people maintain that contact through their adoption professionals, the addresses, and their birth mothers. And I suggest if, if it's difficult to get a photograph, set up a website for your birth mother. And it has photographs, updates, and artwork you can scan of the child and let the birth mom go on there. Wherever she is, if she moves across the world, she can log on at a library or an Internet cafe and she can see those photographs. And that means you don't have to worry about trying to keep track of her address. Um, you don't have to worry about, um, gosh, I have to go get some photographs and a card. Um, there are many ways that people can stay in contact, and I think that's really important. But I think that commitment means a lot, and I think that um, it's important. And I'm, I can't stress that enough, that people undo that. It's a very small thing, and I suggest people go down to the Hallmark store and buy 12 Hallmark cards, and you address them, and you put your return address on it, um, uh, or a P.O. box, and you um, drop in photographs every month when you pay your bills. And That's a great idea. Yeah, and I, I, it's something I think is really important. That way they're there, they're all lined up, and um, when you send photographs out. But I'm finding, because we do about 120 to 130 adoptions a year, that our families um, that are working through us, a lot of times will send emails with photographs to the birth mothers and mm-hmm. to us. And um, if the birth mom does have email, and about 50% of our birth moms do have emails, they can receive that, and they really love it. Um, but I know how much we enjoy seeing the photographs of the children, and it breaks my heart when I hear a birth mom saying the family did not um, keep that commitment. And I just, um, I just know it, uh, that it, it, you would be blessed if you do continue that con- contact with your birth mother. And that's not mean she's going to show up on your doorstep and take the baby. It's just a respectful for the woman that gave birth to your child. Um, I think it's really important, and right. I'm hoping people will really do that because it's, it's extremely important to the children too. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you help these birth moms through this, um, what what type of guidance and comfort um, have you given birth moms? I and mean, what do you say to a birth mom that's hurting? You know, she's gone through an adoption plan. What kind of things can you share with us that that might help us um, when working with other uh, other women? You know, uh, for the families. Um, you know, what can they say? Um, many times there are things that people don't know what to say to a birth mom. Um, well, I wish there was a simple answer to that question, but mm-hmm. there's not. Um, it's really not so much what you say, it's just how you are. Mm-hmm. Just them knowing that someone else is there and really cares. Um, I usually try to tell them that I understand because I do, and um, I try. we try and think of a solution to what's going on, mm-hmm. or we try to suggest if they're upset with the adoptive parents, then I may suggest writing a letter and not sending it, just writing a blunt letter and getting all your emotions out. But, of course, you couldn't send something like that. And then right. um, and then later, once they calm down, they could write a letter that they could actually send. And mm-hmm. um, Lonnie and I both have, uh, you know, read over letters for birth moms and um, done anything we can to help them. 
I think that's important. And I know that I've had birth moms that have contacted me too, and we've done the same thing. Is um, I had one birth mom said she just wanted to show up at the doorstep and yell at them for not doing it. I said, please don't do that because all you're going to do is is yeah. just relax, sleep on it, and then try to write the letter in love. Right. You know? um, and because you're not, it's not going to help if you get them all upset. They're just going to think you're fanatic. And the hormones are flaring at those those weeks after pregnancy, and it's going to be really difficult. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame them for being upset, but but I think approaching it from a love standpoint too is really important. And many times, a good adoption professional can actually make a phone call and ask the family um, for that. Now, some states are actually changing laws where if you make a written commitment um, to stay in contact and you don't, um, there's going to be legal recourse um, for birth mothers to go back, and and that would be very um, sad to have to face that. Um, so I think, again, I think families need to think of that ahead of time. But um, but if they're not, if people aren't interested in, in open adoption, consider semi-open adoption, letters and photographs at least, and that doesn't mean you have to get together, you know, every week or every month or even meet in person, but at least give the updates to birth mothers. I think that's important. Right. It's um, so important. Yeah. Very important. Now, you've got this great ministry and you've got this great website and you've got two people working on us. How are you supported and and uh, how can our listeners um, contribute to help you? Well, Birth on Buzz is supported solely on donations. Mm-hmm. Um, we are not for profit, mm-hmm. and we have um, we like with our care package program. We have uh, um, the Healing Hearts program. We have a list of items that we need, and we do have a lot of adoptive families who donate those items in honor of their children's birth mothers. And then we've had other families who make monetary donations, and that um, that kind of helps. And then when when we don't have money, it just comes out of mine and Lonnie's pockets. Yeah, which is really hard, too. And you should contact the Lifetime Adoption Foundation because they do get a lot of donations in and see if they can send you some items, too. Now, you're located – what state are you located in? I'm located in South Carolina. Okay, but you work with women all over the world? or the We work with women all over the United States. We have birth mothers from 48 states, and I think it's four countries now. Wow, that's wonderful, too. When women are coming to you for the first time, do you find that they um, uh, do you find that they really want email or they want to talk in person or how does that work? Some of, some of them are different. Um, some some want to talk in email. Um, some want me. Some want us to call them. We have a one eight hundred number for birth mothers to call. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know some some want a lot of contact and want to talk with us a lot. And some may just need. An occasional email every now and then, like, you know, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, that sort of thing. Um, and th- we also, we do have, um, like, some phone programs for birth mothers who don't have Internet access. And then we all, but for the ones that do have Internet access, we also have a Monday night private chat that's for birth moms only. And so they love, I think that's one of the, probably the favorite parts of some of our girls is to come into the chat room and be able to talk to all these women that, can understand what's going on. Give us the website of, of women that are listening that are interested in doing that chat, and this is for birth moms only. What would be the website they would go to to find out more about your Monday night chat uh, online? The website's is www.birthmombuds.com, and they would just go to the chat page. Okay, the chat page. You've got a lot on your website, a lot of things that you do too by visiting that site. That should be able to help a lot of people too. Um, you know, when you talk about early, young birth moms, how do you help a woman that hasn't told her family um, she's pregnant, she's not sure, um, you know, really how to approach her family about this? What are some suggestions you can give to women that are, are trying to just get that courage up to say it and, and the words? Well, I I encourage them to kind of role play with me. 
mm-hmm. and I'll pretend to be their parents, mm-hmm. and um, they can kind of, you know, work over what to say and think about what they're going to say. And a lot of times, of course, their parents are going to be upset, but their parents love them, and they're going to see them through it, and they're going to help them any way they can because they're they're their parents' baby. And it, and usually it's a lot more um, stressful just thinking about, I mean, I was stressed. I have to tell my parents, and I was 25 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just kind of, you know, encourage them to tell them. We've had girls that don't want to tell them, which I personally think is wrong. And so I really, really encourage them to tell them so they can have that extra support. And and I do let them, you know, role play and and try and figure out how they're going to say it and what they're going to say. And you know that is that's some of the most difficult things for women to do is determine you know who they can tell, who they don't want to tell, and then what happens when you know birth fathers? Do you find that uh, you know we find that over 50% of the birth fathers are not participating in the adoption? That means that they they may just ignore it or okay or whatever. What did you find? What do you find is available um, you know to to birth mothers as far as resources when the birth father's not participating? Well, we have probably about the same amount as you have of not. Um, of birth fathers that are not participating. Um, and the ones that do participate, we have some that participate that are awesome. I've heard awesome things about them. And then we have some that participate that just try to make things difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just we encourage them, if, if, if this is their decision, if they really want a place and that's in their heart and that's what they know is best, then we just encourage them to try and move forward with that and um, – Sometimes there are things legally that attorneys can do to, you know, help with the birth father's consent and that sort of thing. So we just try and point them in the right direction. All right. We have, I know we have uh, two attorneys that we refer um, our, our lifetime birth mothers or women just calling in to speak to an attorney free of charge just about birth father rights. So they don't have they can do it on the phone, they can do it confidentially, and it really helps a lot because many times the questions they have are legal questions that not being an attorney, we can't answer, um, even though we may know the answer to it. And it really helps them just to be able to speak to an attorney free of charge uh, through an 800 number to get those questions ans- you know, answered for them and their mind at ease on what they can and cannot do. Um, and, and do you find that you get um, any family members, too, that contact you, like mothers, you know, birth grandmothers? Yeah, we, we have. We've had a few birth grandmothers, and we've had a few um, – we had a sister – Mm-hmm. whose sister was going to place, and the sister contacted us. Mm-hmm. And the birth grandmothers are always, they they are so sweet. They touch my heart because they just, they love their daughter so much, and, and it's their grandchild. And I think when I was, now I'm more aware that, yeah, my mom did have some hurt, and my family did have some hurt because they lost a grandchild. And when I was pregnant, I never really thought about adoption affecting everyone else. I just thought of how it affected my life. So, yeah, we do get family members that call occasionally. And I think it's important. Some some advice for families, I know a lot of birth moms will ask, you know, I've got another child, and how do I explain that this baby's not going to come home um, to our our home? You know, um, what, do you, what do you suggest to birth mothers on how, some ideas on how to share the adoption plan with current children in the family? Well, I think it's important to take into consideration, of course, how old the children mm-hmm. are and then to try and make it age appropriate. Um, I kind of like to say, you know, um, something to the effect of mommy mommy is pregnant and mommy's going to help this other family that can't have children. And, yeah, that's part of it. And then the other part is that you're making this decision because you um, 
feel that this is best and you may not have the means to care for your child at this point in your life, but a child's not going to understand all that. And so just by kind of making it simple and saying that, you know, this is what you're doing and it's going to, these other people really want a baby and it's going to help them. And I've encouraged girls to even show um, if they have the adoptive family's profile, I've encouraged them to show their children the adoptive family's profile and say, you know, this will be the baby's mom and, you know, that sort of thing. And at the same time, you have to reassure your child how much you love them so that they don't think you're going to, you know, place them for adoption too. Exactly, because little minds think so totally different than adults do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I find that to be very true is that many times um, the children will say, you know, am I, are you going to place me for adoption also? Right. And, or they feel guilty. If they're older, they feel guilty mm-hmm. um, because of that. Or they throw temper tantrums. And it's it's very difficult. And I've actually seen birth moms say, I can't do it because my kids are throwing such a tantrum. Though it's the worst decision for her situation because she can barely survive caring for the children she has already. Right. Um, and that's such a hard place to be because mm-hmm. really no one can make that decision, an adoption decision or a parenting decision, except for the for their mother herself. Right. Um, do you find some women also... Um, are coming up against birth fathers that are that really aren't interested in, in helping, but just don't want the child going for adoption, or kind of forcing the women to parent. Oh yes, we've had that happen yeah. before. Yeah, we have that happen quite often too, and it's really difficult to work with because you've got a woman here that really doesn't want to parent the child, but she doesn't want to give it to the, the father, birth father, and he's doesn't you know he's just causing lots of problems. Any suggestion at all, um, you know, in a situation like that, and how you work through that? Well. Um you just, I mean, there's not a lot you can do. If he's not going to sign, he's not going to sign. And mm-hmm. it's just, I mean, it's a hard place to be in. Um, it's, you know, I... I. I agree. And I think sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes I think that they say, I find birth fathers also say they're not going to sign um, when they actually are faced with it. They actually won't fall through with it. Um, they'll actually end up just ignoring it and letting the adoption go through. Right. Um, which is um, which is sometimes better um, if they've not followed through with something in the past. If they if they have a history of, of of losing jobs and not following through with paying their bills, they don't live on their own, or they keep moving around and they're not really stable. Um, then a lot of times they don't they won't follow through with that, or they've got warrants out for their arrest. They don't want to have you know have to go haul into to court in front of a judge and have them check their background. Right. Uh, many times they will go ahead and go through with it too, and I think that's really important. I know through the the Lifetime Adoption Angel program, similar to yours too, is that we try to work with situations like that and really determine whether or not the birth father needs some help and maybe speaking to somebody too, because a lot of times they just want to be heard, mm-hmm. you know, and, and talked to too. You have got some great poetry, and <laughs> um, I know you've written some, and I would like to see before we take a break if you could share one of your adoption poems. Um, could you do that for us? Sure. Sure. I'm going to read one that it was the first adoption poem I wrote, and it's called Altered Dreams. And um, I'm just I want to dedicate it to my son's adopted mother because I know she's probably going to listen. Great. So I'm going to read this for her. I dreamed of the joys of motherhood, not joining birth mother sisterhood. I dreamed of choosing a name for you, not calling you the name someone else had chosen. I dreamed of decorating your room, not standing in the middle of a room someone else decorated. I dreamed of watching you take your first steps, not hearing about your first steps over the phone. I dreamed of hearing you call me mama, not being your mom's special friend. I dreamed of walking in with you the first day of school, not staring at my clock at 8.30, knowing someone else walked you in. I dreamed of being team mom for your little league team, not just being another fan in the stands. I dreamed of straightening your bow tie for your prom date, not crying at pictures of you and your tuck weeks later. 
Sometimes life turns out differently than we hoped, and we have to alter our dreams. Now I dream that she enjoys motherhood to the fullest, that she says your name at least a couple of dozen times a day, that she teaches you to keep your room nice and neat, that she picks you up and kisses your knee when you fall down trying to master those first steps, that she marvels at the sound of your voice every time you call her mama, that she takes you for a special breakfast before the first day of school, that she makes cupcakes when your team wins, that she helps you pick out your tux and a corsage for your date. Most of my dreams were for you were altered, except for a few. I still dream that you know how special you were and are to me. I still dream that you follow your heart. I still dream that you know you are so loved. When I altered my dreams and watched you call her mommy, I knew her dreams were the same as mine. That is so beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> that's wonderful, and that's dedicated to your son's um, mother, adopted mother. Right. That's so wonderful. Um, you know, I know you have a lot of poems um, that you've written. If people are interested in the poems, um, I want to share where they can find out more about where they can purchase. I know you have some a card, um, a, a list of cards. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that real quick and, and how people can also find out um, where they can purchase your poetry. Well, my poetry is not for sale, but they can look at my poetry on the website, birthmombuds.com. And then the cards have poetry in them, not the same poems, but the cards are on www.wishuponaweb. Wishuponaweb.com. Okay. So that's where they can find out more about Mm -hmm. those cards, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be switching gears a little bit. Um, Coley is going to go ahead and share with us her uh, you know, her best tips and pointers for adoptive parents from uh, a birth mother's perspective, very important. So don't touch that mouse. Be right back after this quick break. Okay. You're doing great. So we're going to take, we're going we're gonna to do the break, and Kim's going to put that all in, too. So okay. I think we're doing super Thank so far, you. and she's emailing me over here and saying we are. Let's go ahead, and we'll go back at this point. Did you want to um, share another poem, too, at all? Or I can. Um, um, I have a poem that I can share that goes with my CD. Okay, let's go ahead and when we get there, we'll talk about a, a little poem on that one too then too. Okay. So I think we're going to go ahead and back. Um, Kim, are you there? Uh, we're going to go ahead and let's, I'm going to count down and we'll go back from break, okay? Okay. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome back and we're here today with Coley Strickland, co-founder of birthmombuds.com. Um, you've been sharing with us a little bit about the wonderful work you've been doing um, with your organization. Uh, we're going to switch gears now and talk about your adoption tips and pointers for adoptive parents because this is really important. We have a lot of adoptive parents um, listening to the program as prospective adoptive parents, and I believe in education. I think it's really crucial. So tell us, um, you know, you've got a CD-ROM that helps adoptive parents prior to working, um, you know, adopting. Tell us about that CD-ROM and what inspired you to create it and what's involved in it. Well, I um I like to write. I write the poems and I write articles. And an adoptive mom friend of mine had read several of my articles that I had written geared towards adoptive parents. And she told me that they were really good and I needed to compile them. And she had the idea to compile them on an informational CD-ROM, which it turns out really isn't that hard to create. So I made an informational CD-ROM that has all kinds of information. And it's um, the CD is called Adoption Pointers from a Birth Mom's Point of View. And it's my advice and um, just kind of things I've picked up listening to and helping other birth moms. And um, and it's geared towards people who are either adopting for the first time or people who are in the process of adopting again because it gives all kinds of pointers that you can use throughout the process. 
and even now you made a good point. You talked about a little bit about um, um, adopting for a second time because a lot of people adopting for a second time may have done it some time ago, and things have changed even right. in three years um, just with the internet. And I think that um, we view things differently with birth mothers and um, positive adoption language, things like that too. So this could be very helpful too. Um, what inspired you to create just your friend? Uh, did you what mm-hmm. was the, the root of the inspiration on this CD? It was my friend. She pretty much, you know, the article I had written the articles, and she suggested compiling them, and it sounded like a good idea to me. So that's what I went ahead and did. Now, you know, uh, it's very uh, networking is very uh, popular, especially the internet. And I know that I promote networking all the time in, mm-hmm. in my book, uh, AdoptingOnline.com. And I talk about that, and I know that it's a top popular topic for prospective adoptive parents. And where do I go? You know, how do I network? Where do I find someone? Because you are great. I mean, you you spoke up to a couple that came into your restaurant, mm-hmm. um, which is unusual. It's not going to happen to everybody. Um, but how do you go about that? And what are some networking tips you can give? Um, you know, um, for families. Well, networking is basically word-of-mouth advertising, and I hate to use the word advertising with adoption, but it's what you're doing. And um, so I just suggest tell everyone you know and everyone you meet that you're hoping to adopt Mm -hmm. because you never know when someone is going to know someone who knows someone who's pregnant, Mm -hmm. and that person may, you know, be planning um, to place their child for adoption or may be looking for a family or may just need options. Mm -hmm. And if you let a lot of people know that you're um, interested in adopting, then they can keep you in mind, and if they come across the situation, then they um, can can let them know that you're interested in adopting. And a lot of families I know ha- make up the little adoption business cards that have their name and, you know, that say they're hoping to adopt and have their website and a 1-800 number on them. And I think those are awesome, and you can do so much with those. You can leave them in restaurants with your tip. You can leave them, um, you know, send them with your bills every month. Um, and another creative idea is to um, my same friend that had the idea for the CD had wanted to send her business cards out to friends and family and she wanted to send like 10 cards to every um, one of her family members Mm -hmm. and ask them to send them um, you know to hand them out to people to leave them Mm -hmm. you know at a restaurant that sort of thing and that way it would kind of you know spread her networking field and make her she would be networking even more because she would be dealing with people out of state as well as in state and she wanted a creative way to do that, so I came up with a little poem that says all of that, and then she she um, typed up her, her poem real cute on some pretty paper and, you know, with little scrapbooking stickers and made it all pretty and, um, and sent it to all her friends and family with 10 business cards each. And that, you know, her friends and family thought it was such a neat idea that they were really willing to help her out and and they did, you know, pass her cards out and help her network. And that's so neat too. And I suggest people put those in their, you know, their bills and like I said, everyone they know. And that's what we did too. It really does help, mm-hmm. um, you know, quite a bit to be able to do that. Speaking of poems, do you have another poem you can share with us? Yes, I'm going to share the poem that's um, that is on the CD that um, is the one, the poem that you can send with networking cards. And if people purchase the CD, they can or you know can use this poem and send it out. And it's. Um, as our adoption journey begins, we ask for help from our family and friends. We're asking you to give these cards to people you know. Our intent to adopt, they do show. Teachers, doctors, nurses, and people who care, they would be perfect people in which these cards you should share. 
Do not throw them in the trash and try and pull a prank. Instead, leave them at a restaurant, a phone booth, or even at a bank. Becoming a mom and dad will be a dream come true. We're ready to start decorating in pink or blue. We appreciate your help, support, and love as we try to adopt one more gift from above. Wow, that's great. (laughs) That's one of your poems that you wrote then. Yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. That's super. And so that's on the CD. What else is on the CD? Um, On the CD, there's Dear Birth Mother Letter Tips. Um, I kind of go through the whole Dear Birth Mother letter, Mm -hmm. and I say, you know, I kind of give suggestions of what you should and shouldn't put in there. Um, There's a whole section on phone calls, um, kind of like what you should say during that first phone call because that first phone call is usually so nerve-wracking for not only the adoptive Mm -hmm. parents but the birth mother. And she's calling the adoptive parents, so the adoptive parent kind of needs to guide the conversation. And so this um, the CD has tips for the phone call, and it even has a worksheet that you can print out for the phone call that has, you know, like a place for the name, and um, it has some of the questions that you can ask on the worksheet. So when you're talking, you can just scribble down your answers as she gives you the answers. Um, it has tips for what you should put on a website. It has things not to say, things um, – it has some gift ideas if you want to bring the um, – birth mother a gift at the hospital um it has some hospital ideas um it has a lot of information <laughs> yeah it sounds like it's really packed and, it's, uh, and if they go to your site they can find out more about that too they, uh, yeah they can go to www.wishuponaweb.com okay wishuponaweb.com great some tips on um things that people should not say too i know that people you know you don't want to manipulate and, and say what you think the birth mother would say but uh, I know that sometimes adoptive parents have said foolish things and they don't realize what they're saying. Um, what are some suggestions of, of things that you should not, um, from your experience, you shouldn't say? Well, one of my big things is um, don't go on and on and on about infertility. I completely understand that that's a big issue for a lot of adoptive parents. But a birth mother, is, when she's choosing adoption and when she's in that place and she's making phone calls, it's such an emotional experience and you're at a weak point in your life and it's just kind of hard to listen to other people's problems and to hear it um to hear some adoptive parents go on and on about infertility is just at that point it's not good there may be another time when she asks you questions and that would be a great time to share it if that's if if she wants to hear but during those initial phone calls and that initial get to know you phrase that's just not um a great time to talk about that. And then I come back to the to one of the other things that I've already said, do not make promises you can't keep. So that's one of my things not to say to birth mothers is don't say something that you don't think you can follow through with and do. It's not about you. It's about the birth mother and her needs. And, I mean, you want to ask your questions too, but I think it's just like you had a conversation with a friend. Mm-hmm. You don't want to whine and just talk about you. There's nothing right. worse if you want uh, to remain friends with somebody, is to go on about your woes. And I have actually broken off friendships with people that all they could do is complain about themselves and didn't feel the need to hear anybody else, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important, too. Um, And before I forget, too, your wish upon a web is .net, not a .com, right? Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Okay, it's a .net, so I'm going to make sure people have that. Wish upon a net. Uh, wish upon web dot net. Okay, good. But I know that. Uh, so when you want to, just make sure you balance that. And I think also, not, don't drill your birth mother. Okay, don't get on the phone and ask her. Okay, have you used drugs? Do you smoke? You know, have you had a TB shot? Um, I think that's really important that people realize that this has got to be a two-way, um, you know, 
conversation. Don't be doing your dishes. Don't be yelling at your kids. Don't be yelling at the, the dog. Um, and don't put them on speakerphone. Yeah. You know, um, you know, a lot of questions that you could be asking um, adoptive parents. Um, adoptive parents can ask birth mothers, I guess, just a little bit about her, um, about her, and let her talk about herself. Is that some of the suggestions you make? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just um, kind of. I mean, and you just said it. Let her talk. Talk to her like you're talking to a friend. You're not trying to secure a business deal. You're talking to someone who might give you their child. So talk to them like you're, you know, talking to a friend, and ask her about herself. Take an interest in in who she is and not just what she can give you. And I think what happens is um, you've got to realize if you're an A personality, I'm an A personality, it's real hard if you're in a business-type environment all the time than to switch gears. Oh, yeah. And you're nervous, and you go into that natural mode, but you're going to blow a birth mom away. And I've had birth moms call back and say, there's absolutely no way I'm going to place that family. They're driving me nuts. And they'll go on to the second uh, choice. Mm-hmm. And the first family's going, you know, hey, I'm a doctor, I'm, I've got all these things going, and well, you just blew her out of the air, you know. Um, and I think controlling, if you're if you're a control freak, you need to be able to control that <laughs> and realize this woman has her own needs, mm-hmm. and they may be completely different lifestyle than yours, and we can't judge a woman from where she is because she is considering adoption, it's still her baby, and you need to meet her where she is and control your controlling. Um, I think that's really important too. Right. Um, have you, uh, when you're working with uh, adoptive families, I know that we um, we have a whole form that birth moms fill out for hospital and what they want the hospital um, to look like their their hospital plan. What suggestions do you have for that with, for for adoptive families or birth parents? Well, um, we have a similar plan um, that is a hospital action plan that goes through. Do they want the adoptive parents in the room? Do they want to hold their baby? Do they want to see their baby? And I think it's great for a birth mother to be able to fill that out and then share it with the adoptive parents, not with the thought that the adoptive parents could make them change their mind, but just with the thought of that way they're all on the same page. Everyone knows what is going to, what to kind of expect. But then at the same, in the same aspect, you kind of have to keep in mind that having a baby is such an emotional time for anyone Mm -hmm. but to be um placing your baby it's more emotional and things that she may have written in her plan may change because she may especially first-time mothers i think it's um more difficult for first-time mothers because they're just blown away by the unconditional love that they feel for their child and so the plan may change and things may have to change a little bit and it's not a bad thing it's just you have to kind of go with the flow you know, it's interesting because I had a, a adoptive family probably about um, 15 years ago that actually came through our program, and I was at the hospital with a birth mother, and she had a plan all set up, and she's very organized, very detailed. In fact, she worked in my office for a while after the placement. It was great because it was healing for her, but in the hospital, um, she had this great plan out, and she saw the baby, and she said, I've got to spend more time. Well, this just freaked the adoptive family out because they had already had a reclaim um, years before I met them. And they were just scared to death. And I remember them walking out into the waiting area, and I, I grabbed them by the shoulder and I said, you need to go in there and tell her, take as much time as you want, and we'll be back in an hour or so, and you just let us know how much you need. Um, no problem at all. And she said, I can't. And I said, you need to do it. Just fake it. Go in there and do that. <laughs> and they did. They got themselves together, wiped their tears off. And I said, you go in there and you just do that. And then I want you to go shopping. Get out of the hospital. <laughs> and they did, and the birth mom called me, and she goes, you wouldn't believe what they said. They said, take as much time as you need. I'll tell you what a piece that gives me. And the adoption went fine. Mm-hmm. But if they had gone in there and said, no, I can't do this, 
they would have blown their adoption. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. It's just like, you know, it's so hard as an adopted mom because you want that right now and your heart's going out. But this birth mom is spending this very precious little time with her child. And it's better that she does that now than regrets it later on. Oh, definitely. And definitely. you can never go back and change that. And you're going to have a lifetime with this family, with this baby mm-hmm. in your family. And this birth mom has a very small time right. in the hospital. And, you, and it's hard to get to that point. But the more you speak to families that have gone through it and realize that if it's meant to be, it's going to happen. And it doesn't mean the end of the world. And that you want to do this with love. But that it's going to come back and everything that's supposed to happen is going to happen. And I think that's really important. Do you have any stories about a unique hospital plan birth mothers have shared with you at all? Um, well, I have a positive story about our hospital, the hospital action plan. Um, we have a gal that from that was from Texas that used it, and she had everything written down in there. And um, things kind of weren't going as she had planned. And um, she was very – she only wanted certain people to come in the room. And um, the adoptive family was having um, an – a family member come in the room that she really didn't want, and she was able to ask to tell the nurse. Um, and I mean, it's such a um, hard time for a birth mom, anyways, that you don't want to have to be like, "Hey, get your friends out of my room." To the adoptive family, mm-hmm. and so she was able to tell the nurse, "Hey, can you read my hospital action plan? And mm-hmm. and if there's something that's going on that shouldn't be going on, can you tell them?" And the nurse was able to do that for her, mm-hmm. and so that was helpful because she was able to still. Um, have what she wanted, but she didn't have to, you know, be the bad guy. And I think it's really crucial that, that birth moms and adoptive parents work with adoption professionals that have all that because it's really got to be there for the adoptive families have to have a copy of that, the birth mother, um, the hospital staff, the doctor, because it's really important that everyone's on the same page mm-hmm. and realize it is okay if it changes slightly because, again, um, this is a real emotional time and to be able to go with the flow and not get really stressed out over it, So, mm-hmm. um, which is really, really good, too. Um, I want to ask before we close, do you have any any closing remarks or comments for adoptive parents or birth parents who are listening right now? Um, well, I want to mention something about um, Birth Mom Budge is sponsoring two um, events for Birth Mother's Day. Um, we're sponsoring one that's in Greenville, South Carolina, and it's for birth moms um, in the – well, I mean, any birth mom could come to it, but it's more geared for birth moms in South Carolina, Georgia, and North Carolina. And then we're also sponsoring an event in Washington State that is for birth moms in Washington, Oregon, California, and parts of Montana. And both of those events are on Birth Mother's Day, which is May 7th this year. And so if there's any birth moms listening that would like to come, they can go to um, birthmombuds.com for more information on the birth. It will be on the Birth Mother's Day page. And um, if there's any adoption professionals that – are listening that um, would like to assist with those events, we would still love assistance, and they can go to the same place. That would be great. And if you'll actually send that in to our producer, we'll put that up on our website. I sure so will. we can have all that information on there for people that visit the site and may have missed the, the program too. Mm-hmm. That is just super. And I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate um, you know everything you've shared and the effort you put out to help birth mothers and adoptive parents and, and the children. Um, and we would just really wish you the best and you continue to work and stay in touch with us. And uh, if there's anything we can do, we'd be happy to help you. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Chloe.